Good morning. Today's scripture is Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Liz. Well, hi, everyone. Good morning. All right. My name's Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Tucson, and I'm glad for us to be here together, to gather together this morning. And, um, you know, God calls his people together from all different walks of life, from uh, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, all different places, 49ers and Eagles. I see a couple of uh, jerseys in here among us, and uh, yeah, it's fun. This is a fun uh, my unsolicited uh, thoughts on the NFL is that this is the best weekend of the year. The Super Bowl, I don't know, it gets, it's more about all these other things, but this one, the AFC and NFC championships, it's fun. So anyway, I digress, I'll move on from there, that's all I'll say about it, but uh, let's, let's um, get into our time together. Just a, a heads up, kind of out of the gates as I, as I preach this morning, I have a Stutter, so it'll kind of come in and out as I preach, and I uh, just want to give you a, a heads up on what that is, so you're not you're not caught off guard by that. Also, uh, I got sick a couple of weeks ago, and and have had this lingering cough. Some of you probably know what it what that feels like, and it's like an uh, unexpected, random cough will just come out of nowhere. So if that happens, I'll try to block it, you know, with the mic. But if I don't, sorry again, just a heads up on that. Um, and uh, if you will go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, that's where we're going to be this morning as we kind of wrap up a, a four-week series we've been in together this morning. So turn there in your Bibles if you have one with you or an app or whatever. If you don't have one and you would like a physical copy of God's Word, I'd love for you to have one. So uh, if you want one, we have some for you. So please hold your hand up high and keep it up, and we will get you a copy of God's Word, a uh, Bible, and I'll help with this. It's like an auction, right? So keep your hand up high, and if I see one, I'll point it out. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo. A usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Lucas capítulo 12. So again, this is our gift to you. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, if you don't own a Bible, please keep this as our gift to you. Now, as we get into our time, before I pray, I also want to reiterate something we announced last week is that we're planning on next week installing Joel Harris as an elder here at Redemption 
Tucson. All right, we got some shouts, some praises there. So here's, we got a family pick too, right there. So Joel and Christina and the whole family there uh, looking good. And um, uh, why we announce this is not only do we know that Joel and Christina and their family are loved here, they have served and led within our church for a long time. And um, yes, if you came to, Joel was up here singing, leading worship. But also, we want to do our part in making it known eldership is a high calling. And, and even as we'll talk about today, when Jesus entrusts anything to any of us, it's a big deal. So when he calls elders to lead and shepherd his church, we take that seriously. So if anyone has concern or cause um, for concern regarding Joel being installed as an elder here, we want to, again, give space. Um, so over the last couple of weeks, we've given space. We've let that be known and want to invite you to email us at Tucson at redemptionaz.com if you have any kind of concern uh, before we move ahead with installing Joel. And Joel knows that and is glad we're, we're doing that, right? Amen. So Joel's man of high character, so we don't expect anything, but again, want to want to do our part with that. All right. We good? With me? Okay. We like an, an interactive, uh, you know, thing here, deal here. Um, Pastor Marcus, I will not use the phrase he does, but sometimes he says that he's a chocolate preacher and, uh, and says, so I'm, I can't say the same, but uh, I was baptized in a church uh, led by a chocolate preacher. And, um, and so I love some amens and some give and take. Is so so it's, it's, we all want that. All right. Also, on that note, Pastor Marcus is preaching at a church in Prescott, uh, Arizona. So you can be praying for him this morning. And uh, we don't like to share necessarily, but uh, what we know God has blessed us to be a blessing. And so sometimes our worship leaders go and lead at different churches around town and our uh, pastors and preachers go and preach at different places. So anyway, that's the heart of our church. So let's go ahead and pray together. All right. Father, as has been said this morning, we need you. Um, I love every part of this service, everything that's been said, is we recognize that we, <coughs> there it is, that we need to be shaped by you, and we are tempted to be shaped by other people, other things, other messages, and we recognize that that's even our own heart's propensity. That's That's the... The, the natural shift of our hearts, and yet you are calling us uh, to be your people. You have the good news of life. And so we pray that through your word this morning, you speak to us. Lord, we pray that, and we trust, that though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. And so shape us by your lasting, enduring word. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you know this tune? Do 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 Thank you. Join in. This is sing along with Pastor Dave. I always have a bad voice. It's even worse when I've had a cold. But uh it's yeah, that's from the 1970s. That's the rendition or the show of Robin Hood. It's the, uh, the animal kingdom, the animated version, and it's, it's great. I actually looked at it to make sure I got the 
tune right um, because I found myself going to the Mario Brug Brothers, if you know that one. Um, sometimes that'll ha so I while I was doing, I kept going to that. So, uh, it, but I think I have it right. So anyway, I would highly recommend watching that if you're not familiar with that version. But the story of Robin Hood, it goes way back. It goes, in fact, many people think it's when Rome and uh, what's now England or Great Britain. And is, so this whole story goes, goes way back. But it's based on a true story, but it's had many different versions and expressions, probably one of the worst of which is the one where the only person in the whole movie uh, that has an American accent is the main character, right? Robin Hood, that one, you know, Prince of Thieves. We won't even go there. But, okay, there's often we think of it, it's even named after, right? Robin Hood, this kind of robs the rich to give to the poor and is this kind of people's man and, and looks out for everyone. But the, either way, whatever some of that's been kind of added onto, but the story, like every story, uh, reflects a true story. So the story there in any version is King Richard was a good and right king, and he left. And while he's gone, the sheriff of Nottingham uh, stepped in and ruled in, in a really unjust, really harsh way. All kinds of evil took place when the king was gone. And that, right, whatever version of that is true or not in that story, like every story, it's reflecting or speaking back into what we say here, and we've heard this language, is the true story of the world. The Bible tells a story from beginning to end, from start to finish, is the true story of the entire world. What we walk through every Sunday here as a church is reciting or walking through different aspects of the true story of the world, right? We started with the call to worship, the welcome, the passing of the peace, then confession, sin, then, then, then the assurance of grace, right? So we walk through this whole story. Well, the true story of the world right, is what Robin Hood is reflecting in some way. That when the king is gone, when the true rightful king is gone, everything falls apart. When anyone other than the true, the true king steps in to rule, injustice and abuse and conflict takes place. Especially when anyone rules in a way that is in contrast or in opposition to the desires and the, the plans of what flourishing looks like as a people together. But Jesus is calling us back into a place where we rightly live as his people, where we rightly live not trying to replace him as the king, as the ruler, as the master, but stewarding what he entrusts to us. So as we walk through our time together in Luke chapter 12, as we kind of wrap up this series together, uh, it's not just about money. It's about this language, this word of stewardship, of finding our right place, that though we're prone to try to replace God as king, as master, 
that human flourishing individually and as a community and an entire world only happens when we find our rightful place as stewards under his headship. So this is what we'll see as we walk through our time together is that stewards, what does it mean or look like to be a steward? If you can put that up there, um, we, we will see that stewards anticipate the master's return. Stewards participate in the master's work and stewards answer to the master's authority. So pick up with me now as we kick off in looking at stewards anticipating the master's return. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So the image here that's used, it's the, the translation is, is, is actually like gird your loins. The image that would come to mind is to have your robe, because in that day, right, people wore robes, like have your robe tucked in to your belt and be ready to run, all right? To know that when, when called upon, your, 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 your Nikes are laced up and tightened, right? You're, you're, you're good to go. The, the opposite, what comes to mind for me, is uh, what will probably happen this afternoon, is I'm sitting there in my little favorite spot on the ottoman, feet are kicked up. I probably got some like nachos in my lap and maybe have a drink like very carefully on the arm rest. And then one of our neighborhood neighbor kids comes over to play with our 10-year-old daughter and either rings the doorbell or bangs even worse on the security door. You know, we have like a security screen, bangs on that. And our little dog goes ballistic and and I like flip out and am not ready for action when someone comes knocking the nachos go flying the drink is spilled I'm like oh scrambling to go answer the door and uh and it's it's not a pretty picture so hopefully today I'll remember I'll keep things in place so when that inevitably happens all chaos doesn't ensue That's the image, though, of our propensity is to not be prepared, to not be ready. But as Jesus is speaking here and teaching, he says, listen, live in such a way that you anticipate my return. Be ready. Be dressed for action. Don't be caught off guard. Don't grow complacent. And then in verse 37, he goes on and says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he, so the master, will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Notice the shift there, right? When I use the language here, when we talk about stewards or servants and masters, we are programmed in our day. We think of, oh, when the master comes calling, he's going to kick his feet up on the ottoman, right? I don't reflect. He's going to kick his feet up and the servants are going to come and rub out his feet, right? He's been journeying. He's been working hard. But the language here is no. The servants will take the place of now being served by the master. 
So everything we're about to talk about, everything we have talked about, keep in mind the character of the master. This is who we serve. When Jesus talks about our relationship with money, when he says, be prepared, be ready, don't get caught off guard, he just inserts in there this truth, this good news, that when Jesus calls us to follow him, to serve him, we anticipate the day that when he returns, he will be the one serving. He has been the one serving and will continue to be. The language in the very end of the, uh, this whole deal that at the, when Jesus returns once and for all, he will host his people, you and me, those who put their faith in him, he will host us to a banquet feast, a wedding feast it's called. He will, the master serves. So we anticipate the master's return. And then look here, I just, in verse 39, it continues. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And I want to speak briefly here about a theology that sometimes churches shape their whole church life around. It's called eschatology, the belief or the theology of the end times. What will happen in the end? My guess is that Christians and non-Christians alike, okay, you might be here with a friend, someone came along, that when you think of church or Christians, you have, you've heard something about eschatology or end times. If you've gone through our m- membership class here. This is one of the things that we say we actually hold very open-handedly, all right? It's not something that we, we say you have to believe. And some of the terms, if you know this, are like pre-millennial, post-millennial, all-millennial, pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, all these different things. And it's talking about how the king, how Jesus will return and what the order of events will be and all this stuff. Now, let me say on one hand, it's a good and important conversation, It's good to talk about over a cup of coffee, to discuss, to read some books on. I do think what will happen in the end does shape how we live our lives now. But I think the best eschatology you could have ever is this, okay? Right here. I don't talk into it much, but here's the overarching foundational belief about the end times that you ought to have, that we all ought to have, and it's this. Jesus will return. A physical, real, bodily, actual event. Jesus will return. He's coming back. Okay, that's point one. Second point is, no one knows when or exactly how. Matthew chapter 24 speaks in to this. It's a great chapter. I'd encourage you to go and look at that. And even here we see, right? No one knows... um, that when, when this time will, will come. And then the third point that is abundantly clear is be ready. Jesus, the master, will return. He is coming back. No one knows exactly when or how, so be ready, okay? Stewards anticipate the master's return. And how do we do that? It's by participating in the master's work. So let's continue in our time here. Stewards participate in the master's work. Verse 42. 
And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. What does it look like to participate in the master's work, to be a part of Jesus's work and to be ready, to be prepared for his return by participating in his work? What does that look like? He blesses us. He entrusts us with our whole lives, with who we are, the families we were born into, the education we have, the jobs and the skills we have, the relationships we have, the home we have, the finances we have, the cars we have, different things like that. And you see this image here that it says, right, that, that, that the, the servant or the manager who the master has entrusted and set over his household, right, um, gives out the food. So you see this idea of the master entrusting the food and then leaves and says, now you distribute this in the ways that I lead you, that I've told you, that you know my character, you know my heart, you know what I'm all about. Now you be like an under shepherd. You be in, in a, a, a steward, a, a, an under m- 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 master, if you will. Um, what, what comes to mind for me is something that we just got to experience this morning. We drove here this morning, and I, I kind of was hesitant about whether or not to share this or how much to sh- share it, but I'll, uh, we drove here this morning in a mi- minivan that someone gave us, right? I shared with some of you, and you guys know, like, our car finally died once and for all on Christmas Day, and uh, we kind of looked, wimped it along. We found out something. I don't even know how all this stuff works, right? Not my gift, not what I steward, but part of the engine, one of the cams broke. So someone, the mechanic basically explained, he said, you went from a V6 to a V5. Okay, so we've been, we've been driving on a, on a V5 for, <laughs> for a bit here. Someone gave us a van, and then they shared throughout the story that uh, it was a van that someone had actually given to them, and that they'd uh, been been given other other cars in the past, and they just were delighted. They were so glad, they said, to be able, and I didn't ask their permission, so I won't say who, but they're in here right now, and, um, and they just kind of passed it along. Well, kind of zoom back. There's someone who goes to Redemption Tempe, who's a mechanic. His name's Zach profiter. Um, and he has been gifted with the, with some skills, some mechanic skills. And so something he loves doing is he uses those skills and brings others alongside him to work on cars that have been broken down. And then people who are trying to get out of debt. So maybe they have a car, a car payment, right? They're looking through the blinds at the room, room, Repo man's going to be showing up and they want to get out of that situation. And so he helps them by to, to be able to buy a car at a much lower rate that he is fixed up or maybe a single parent or someone like that. So when we explained what happened to our van, he's like, oh, I can totally fix that. This van has been a thorn in our flesh, but he can take it, he can fix it. And then um, Lord willing, it's not a thorn in someone else's flesh. And uh, it will hopefully be a blessing and a gift. And the, the people who gave us the van shared the image of like, hey, that's so cool. It's like a blessing chain. Like here, you know, I'll hand it off to, to you. We got to be blessed and now give our van uh, away. And what would it look like 
I don't know your situation. I don't know everything about your life, wherever. I grew up, I've shared this before, in a very poor family. And we got to be on the receiving end lots of times of people's generosity. And sometimes, often, my mom, who some of you guys know just passed away a couple months ago, um, I didn't even know how poor we were growing up because in many times our house was a revolving door. People lived on our couch. I had to give up my room every once in a while and go sleep with my older brothers because someone, a single mom would come and another single mom would move in with us for a, a, you know, a couple months and would live in, in that room. And, and it just, it, 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 like generosity breeds generosity. All right, we, we've heard this language that, and it's true. Sadly, hurt people hurt people, right? There, there's a theme or a chain of hurt and pain, but there's also this other changed lives change lives. Um, blessed people who know they've been blessed want to be a blessing. And so that's what it looks like to participate in the master's work. So how? How do we do that? I, again, I don't know all of our situation. It means we know the heart of the master. Ephesians chapter five says this, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. As I mentioned earlier, right, some of us have heard this language when he says, don't be foolish. Look how? Look carefully. It doesn't just come easily or naturally. Again, we, we've taught, why do we show up to church week in and week out? There's all this different stuff. Why do we, if you've ever heard this language in churches, you know, have like quiet times or things like that. Why do we read the Bible every morning, journal, listen to listen to, you know, worship music, things like that. It's because um, we're told in scripture that, or right, there's a song we sing, we're prone to wander. All we like sheep have gone astray, right? We, we wander, we turn away each to our own way. And so it's, 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 it's understanding that we're in this imagery of a lazy river. We're like in a current, Songs we listen to. I listen to sports talk radio or, you know, whatever, news talk radio, whatever it is, podcast, different things in, in, in there. And we're kind of, we're getting, we're drifting. And so how do we participate in the master's work? We know the master's heart. Look carefully how you walk, right? Spend time in God's word. Read, read the Bible, know his heart, be in community, be in a redemption community, be in a, in a small, small group with NAVs or crew or InterVarsity or athletes in action if you're a college student or you, you, young life, be in men's groups, women's groups, different things like, right? We like remind each other of who we are and as Joel said earlier, whose we are, right? We belong to the master and Lastly, we need to understand, this is uncomfortable, right? I think um, Marcus said a couple weeks ago, some of us are allergic, right? We're allergic to, to, uh, to discipline, to schedules. We're, in our culture, allergic to being under someone else's authority, right? 
We need to understand that as stewards, we, are, we answer to the master's authority. Pick up, back up with me in verse 45. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, right? There's a sense of kind of cockiness and, and arrogance you can see here. Um, w- what's happening there? is what all of us are prone to do. Like I said earlier, in the true story of God, in in the narrative, we, the king has entrusted to us his creation. That's Genesis chapter one and two. Image bearers of God entrusted to cultivate God's world in our relationships, in our work, in our hobbies. But we are all the sheriff of Nottingham. All right, we all have said, oh, the king is away Maybe he's not coming back. Maybe he's not even the king. Maybe he's not even a good master. Maybe I should be the master. And what happens is we're all masters of our own little domains, our own little homes, our own little fenced-in yards, our own way of living, our own possessions, our own hobbies, our own couches and TVs and whatever it is, right? We, and don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to do this. Or then we have groups. We have maybe metaphorical little echo chambers or, you know, um, um, what do you call them? Like little gated communities that we live in. And we, we have who's in and, and who's out. And, and what happens here, it says, right, we might think, what, beat his male and female servants? Like, well, we don't do that. But again, with how we live our, how do we talk about other people? How do we view other people? When someone needs something, when someone takes something, when our rights or, or our ways of living are encroached upon, right? We, we often, our first flinch is not, oh, I'm a steward of a life, a schedule, a job, gifts, a church, relationships, a family, finances that the master has entrusted to me to steward, when we replace him and try to be the master, all kinds of conflict and abuse takes place. And then in verse 46 here, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. All right, this is, these are parts of the Bible we want to skip over and be like, whoa, I don't don't know what to do with all that. That's, again, the big idea, I just want to kind of focus on the main majors here. The, The big idea is we're talking about God. God is the master. He's the authority. He's the creator. All right, connect this when, when Marcus gets up here and preaches, right? We, some of us, whether it's Jake or Keith or Marcus or myself or whomever gets up here and 
preaches, we start in different ways. We'd all agree with the same stuff. I sometimes quote a certain passage. Marcus, right, quotes from the book of James where it says, whoever's teaching will, much will be required. We will be judged for what we're teaching, for how we handle the authority, the power of the pulpit, right? There's a sense, we need to have a sense of fear and trepidation of understanding that God has entrusted you, his beloved people and children to sit under our care. It's not for us to abuse or use or manipulate in any way for selfish gain. That same idea here is meant for all of us. We've all been entrusted with something. And we sometimes get a little too complacent, a little too comfortable, a little too, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is, God is kind of a Santa Clausy kind of fi- figure. No, he is God. He is the master. He cares about what he has created. And he has called us and invited us. He's entrusted us with his precious creation, with his precious people to steward. And now remember, church, as I close, how this fits into the bigger story. Remember, what does the master do? Lest we think, oh, that's harsh, that's kind of mean, tearing apart, stuff like that. No, the master has chosen, we're told in earlier in Luke, or later in Luke chapter 22, that the master came not to serve, or not to be served, but to serve. Right, when we read that language of tearing apart and receiving a severe Eating, Jesus took your and my place. The master himself was torn apart on the cross. He received a beating. He endured shame and rejection that you and I, unfaithful stewards, deserve. So when we, in a moment, come up here and take communion, what does Jesus do in this communion table, let me remind you, this isn't you or me doing something for God. This is us coming up and taking communion, remembering that God is serving us, that God has served us, that Jesus was torn apart for you and for me, that Jesus actually says, when Elliot comes up in a moment and leads us through, Jesus says, this is my body, what, that you give for me and then I give you something in return? No. Jesus said, this this is my body given for you. So church, as I wrap up this whole series we've been in, Luke chapter 12, where Jesus is teaching and the, the overarching title has been rich toward God. What does that mean? It means we respond to God's richness toward us. Jesus isn't just giving a checklist of what to do with your money. It's so much deeper. It's wisdom for how to live a flourishing life of freedom. Responding to the master who's given everything to serve you and me so that we can respond by being stewards who joyfully anticipate the king, the master's return, who gladly participate in the work of stewarding all that he's given us 
and who understand that we answer to an authority who is just and righteous and good and kind. Let's pray and respond to him together. Again, Father, thank you that you invite us to be your people, your children, that we enter into a relationship with you, not by loving you so much that you now have to love us back, but you first loved us. You demonstrate your love for us in that while we're sinners, while we're rebellious, while we're sheriff of Nottingham trying to topple your kingdom, in that moment, you demonstrate your love by Jesus dying for us, the master laying his life down for the servants. Lord, will you lead us to be individuals, families, a church who is radically generous in response to our incredibly generous God. We can never outdo you with generosity. Lord, do far more than we can ask or imagine in us and through us. As we prayed earlier for Authentic Life Church and we those things ring true for us too. Lord, give them a building or land that they can generously share and steward Lord, will you lead us into a day and until we get there when we have our own building? Lord, let us not wait to be generous. Lord, to be rich toward you and your people in response to your richness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.